Have you ever felt that your prayers were not being answered? Have you ever felt that you, know, you were praying and seeking God, but you, you could not find Him? He was unfindable. Perhaps God was hiding, or at least it felt like He was hiding from you. And as you prayed, it seemed that God grew more and more distant, and you became more and more frustrated in your life, in your spiritual life. Uh, if so, if you've ever felt that way, perhaps you feel that way now. Uh, Jesus in the Beatitudes says that you should be happy. You should be happy about that. That longing and searching and seeking and yet never finding. And, and for us, that seems to be an obs- bizarre sort of thing, an absurd thing to say. I mean, we don't really fully grasp that because, well, it's just not the way that we work. And, and yet this is a lot of what the teaching of the Beatitudes is about. It is about the way that, that, that life is and how we should really, truly understand it. Uh, I've read the Beatitudes a lot, and if you've been to church, you've probably read them a lot too. Uh, this week I read them in Eugene Peterson's The Message. I uh, really enjoyed his translation, really felt like he brought some things out that perhaps don't normally see. And so I, I'd like to go ahead and, and do a responsive reading through uh, the first uh, of the Beatitudes together. I'll say the small part in italics. You will say the bold part. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. You're blessed when you care. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. Amen. Uh, it's an interesting set of statements, the Beatitudes. Uh, I wrestled with it a lot this week because, I mean, at, at face value, this does not seem to make a lot of sense. Uh, the word blessed can be translated happy. Um, and some folks... They think that's the way it should be. And even if it's not should be translated happy, it definitely is implied there. You are blessed. This is not a consolation prize. Okay, this is not bless your heart the way that we use it in the South. You know, oh, you've been persecuted. Bless your heart. No, this is uh, not a statement of pity, but a statement of fact and reality. Uh, Christ is saying blessed. You are in a state of blessedness. You should be in a state of happiness. When you are, as Eugene Peterson says, at the end of your rope. And as I wrestled through that, it came to me that really the Beatitudes are the great choice that Christ puts before us. Thriving in blessing is what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. Thriving spiritually is what it's all about. And he says thriving in blessing here is a choice. Thriving in blessing is a choice that we make. 
I mean, we, we've all been in, in one of these spots here. I mean, I, I'll take it from the New Revised Standard here. We've all felt poor in spirit. We've all mourned. We've all felt meek and walked over from time to time. We've all been hungry and thirsty uh, for righteousness and in the physical world. We've all been merciful and taken advantage of. We've all been pure in heart at times and felt maybe that we've missed out on some things. We've all been peacemakers and felt caught in the crossfire. We've all been persecuted and felt that our faithfulness was punished. We've all been in those places. And Christ is saying, you're blessed. Be happy when these things take place. It's hard to do. You know, because our natural response is to feel sad or frustrated or to be angry. And Jesus says, be happy. Be happy when these things take place. What Jesus is saying is it's the choice that you make. You see, Christ as God, he is proclaiming that your state of brokenness is a state of completeness in God. Your state of despair can be a state of joy. As a matter of fact, he doesn't just say it can be. He says that it is. He says you are blessed when you are in these spots. The question is, will you open yourself up to see that or will you continue to see it from the perspective that you have right now? You see, the Beatitudes are a great choice for us. Notice some of these take some time. Uh, it's really only the outside two where it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and blessed are those who are persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That word is, that's instant, that's right now, at this present moment. But the rest, notice how it says. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That's happening in the future. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Happening later. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Taking place in the future. But Jesus says, I've seen the future. I know what it looks like. And I want you to know that even in the midst of your despair, you can be happy. Because in the long run, you are in a state of blessedness. And that's, I think, a lot of what the Beatitudes are about. Jesus says, listen, you see this moment. You see this piece of persecution. You see this moment of despair. And yet I see all of eternity. And I want you to know that you are blessed. You are blessed. And so uh, uh, the question is, are we going to open ourselves up to see that blessedness is figured in the long run? You know, you don't, with baseball, you know, you don't, you don't fire a hitter because he strikes out one time. No, I mean, my goodness, if you look at batting averages, they all do that more often than they get a big hit. No, you keep them on, but you, you take the average of a season. You know, you don't sell a, a stock if you have one bad day. I mean, you should have if it was Facebook, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. I mean, you've you got to give it a, a, a time. Yeah, the same thing is true about blessedness. You know, it, it's figured in the long run. And Jesus is letting us know, listen, if you want to find the path to happiness, you need to travel these places of sadness. If you want the kingdom of heaven, then cry after it, even if it seems unattainable. If you want comfort, then be open to sharing the sufferings of others. If you want to inherit the earth, then be open to letting others have it first. 
If you want to be filled, then be hungry and thirsty. If you want to see God, then keep yourself uh, away from the things that are against Him. If you want to be called children of God, well, then make peace with others. If you want a great reward, then be content with great punishment and persecution. The path to true blessing and happiness seems a little bit uh, out of the way from what we thought. As a matter of fact, it almost seems in the opposite direction. But Jesus here is proclaiming a a, a list of the way that things are. And I want you to know, I think this is less less of a list of things to do, more than it is an observation of reality. You know, if you read through the Beatitudes, and you're anything like me, you know, you read the, oh, blessed are the pure in heart. Oh, I should be more pure in heart. Blessed are the persecuted. I should be more persecuted. Uh, blessed are the, the, the peacemakers. I should be more of a peacemaker. You know, and you kind of formulate this list of to-do-ness. Jesus is, is not, I don't think, so much saying that. I think what he's really saying is, listen, when you find yourself in these broken and dark places, be happy. Be happy. Because I've seen the long run, and I know that regardless of how it is, you can be happy now. And when you do that, it's noticed by others. And the world takes notice. Really, thriving in blessing, living in blessing, living in this state of happiness is the best act of evangelism that we can have. Um, I want to finish out here, 13 through 16. Uh, I'll read this to you again from the message. Jesus continues. He says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this. As public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there... On a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. What Jesus is saying, listen, is when you have a life that's full of joy and happiness, even in the midst of these difficult circumstances, people are not going to miss it. They're not going to miss it. Because they're going to see that you have found the state of true happiness. Uh, about, I don't know, a month or so ago when we were coming up with a series for this, I was reading uh, Thomas Merton's autobiography, uh, The Seven-Story Mountain. I came across this reading. Uh, Thomas Merton lived a life that few believers would be proud of, and he's not proud of it either. Um, but he has this great point of conversion, and then he he joins with the monastery up in Gethsemane, Kentucky, um, and he's he's passed. But he writes about his first encounter with the monastery up there. And I want to read to you these few paragraphs from him, his own sort of statement as he has this uh, enlightened moment. He says, they were poor, looking at the, the monks. He said, they had nothing, and therefore they were free and possessed everything. And everything they touched struck off something of the fire of divinity. And they worked with their hands, silently plowing and harrowing the earth, and sowing seed in obscurity, and reaping their small harvests to feed themselves and the other poor. They built their own houses, and made with their own hands their own furniture, and their own coarse clothing, and everything around them was simple and primitive and poor, because they were the least and the last of men. They had made themselves outcasts, 
seeking outside the walls of the world, Christ, poor and rejected of men. Above all, they had found Christ, and they knew the power and the sweetness and the depth and the infinity of His love, living and working in them. In Him, hidden in Him, they had become the poor brothers of God. And for His love, they had thrown away everything and concealed themselves in the secret of His face. Yet because they had nothing, they were the richest men in the world, possessing everything. Because in proportion, as grace emptied their hearts of created desire, the Spirit of God entered in and filled the place that had been made for God. And the poor brothers of God, in their cells, tasted within them the secret glory, the hidden manna, the infinite nourishment and strength of the presence of God. Thomas Merton sees in these poor monks a a great sense that in the eternal perspective, these people should be considered happy and blessed. Now, I want you to know that thankfully you don't have to join a monastery to experience this. Ladies, that's probably doubly encouraging for you since monasteries only take men. Um, But there is a way that we can have that in our own lives. And it starts with taking the Beatitudes seriously when it says, be happy. It, it seems a bit simplistic, though, doesn't it? To just say, be happy. If you're happy, then that's good. There's, there's, there's something to it, though. Let, let's just think about this pragmatically. Who is it that stands out in your workplace or in school or wherever you travel? Who is it that stands out? It's the happy people, isn't it? Let me give you an experiment to try. You know, go to Walmart or Kroger or wherever it is you shop. And when you're in line next time and they say, how are you doing? Just say, fine. Fine. And do you know what kind of response you'll get? You get no response at all. Because all day long, that's all they've been getting. How are you doing today? Fine. Just put it in the bag. Tell me how much I owe. I'm going to hit the bricks. That's it. Just fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. Leave me alone. Okay? Fine. But if that cashier asks you, how are you doing? You have to go back the second day. Maybe the same person, if you're going to have a good scientific experiment. Go back to the same person, same, same time of day. And they ask you, how are you doing? And you say, listen, I would have to be medicated to be better than I am right now. Because it would be impossible to naturally be better than I am at this present moment. I want you to know that that response will stick with them a lot longer. Trust me, I have this on good authority. I mean, give that a shot. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to go home and they're going to say, hey, listen, you know, I met this guy today. And he was, he was feeling good. He was, you know, I'll I tell you, this week I actually called the call center. I, I didn't set this up. It was bizarre. I called the call center. And you know those people, all those people hate their jobs, hate their life. I mean, they hate everything. And, and I, I called and, and they said, thank you for calling on this great morning. I mean, this was the call center lady, and she works for a bank. I mean, bank call center people are the worst. And she said, it's just a great day, and I'm so glad to talk with you. And I thought, you've been talking to everybody all day long, but she was happy. You see, it's, it's the happy people that stand out. But, you know, and I think about students going to school. You know, it's so much cooler to not be happy. It's so much cooler to be, like, angry at everything and cynical and skeptical of everything. I mean, it's so much cooler. 
But Jesus says, listen, if you want to stand out, if you want to be light in the world, you want to be salt in the world, then be happy because you are in a state of blessedness. And if you do that, Jesus says this. He says, you're going to be like a light in the world. Now, let me tell you the truth about light. I'm no physicist. I I promise you that. But I, I know this about light. Did you know that it's invisible? Really, light's invisible. Think about it. You got light there, and you don't see it until what? Until it hits something else. Only when it reflects and illuminates something. That's the only time you can see light. Light is invisible. And Jesus is saying, listen, I I want you to have light. I want your light to shine. Your good works to be done before people. So that what? So that it would show to the Father in heaven. Father in heaven is not illuminated for people in the world until you shine on him with your happiness. Uh, Another thing he says is salt. You know, I I like salt. I love salt a lot. My wife thinks I like salt too much. Uh, But, you know, I don't like salt plain. I don't know about you, but I don't ever like pour myself a bowl of salt because, man, that just sounds really good right now is to have a bowl of salt. No, but I like to put salt on things because I think it makes it taste better. And the more salt, most of the time, the better it tastes. But and that's what Jesus is saying. Say, listen, you know, nobody wants you by yourself, salty believer. They want to f- taste the God flavor in the world. That comes out as you shine with happiness. So how can we start to do that? Jesus gets at it here in this last set. He says, if you want to thrive in blessing, then you've got to do this. You've got to keep your life open to God and others. Let's just look back here at this last metaphor of being a light. He says, uh, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? One of the great things to do with parables is actually think through what would happen if you did that. Uh, this instance is pretty, pretty self-explanatory. If you light a candle and you put it under a bucket, um, what's going to happen? Well, you're not going to see the light, okay? If you leave it under the bucket long enough, what then is going to happen? The light is going to go out. Why? Because it will have burned all of the oxygen there and it will extinguish itself. Jesus, in this little parable, is letting us know if you want to be a light bearer and you want to have this joy and you want to have these other things, you've got to have a life that's open to God and to others. And notice, you can't have one really without the other. You can't put a bucket on just to hide the life from everybody else. It's, it's, it's both and. It's both. You've got to keep your life open uh, to God. Uh, that's one of the things we're trying to get at here in, in the this week portion of your thriving blessing. Um, on the bottom of your handout there, I've given you some suggestions on how to perhaps keep your life open to God. Uh, these are great practices to, to do, uh, and to do them regularly is very helpful. Uh, start your morning with a simple prayer uh, by saying, Lord, today is yours. And just maybe leave it at that if that's all you got the time for in the morning. Just, Lord, today is yours. Uh, say it like you mean it. Um, today is yours. As you're driving to work or walking to class or going to school or whatever it is you've got to do during the day, if you've got the time, uh, turn off the radio and unplug the thing in your ear and and say, listen, God, here's the different scenarios I've got today. And in your mind, walk through, you know, your different classes, your different appointments, the different people you're going to meet, uh, your coworkers, and say, God, I want you to be present in this situation. And go through it as specifically as you can, inviting God in to those situations. And then if you've got the time, right before you go and say, God, listen, I'm going into this. I want you to be present in this moment. This is an act of surrender that opens your life to God. In order that God can be present in those moments and that you are aware of his presence. 
Another thing to do about keeping your life open to others is to just be honest about the way that you think reality is functioning. So if you're going through a difficult time in life and somebody says, hey, listen, I hope that you make it through it, you don't be afraid to say, listen, you know, I, I, I'm just hoping God shows up. Feel free to say that. That you would be transparent enough to say, listen, you know, I'm really hoping that God is going to come and intervene in this situation. If, if you're going through a great spell in life and somebody says, man, you know, you're just so lucky. Say, you know, I, I suspect God has had a hand in this somehow. You know, being open doesn't take much. It just takes some intentionality. That's what being a light on a stand is all about, right? You don't just light a stand and it jumps on the stand. You've got to put it there. But a life that's open shines. A life that's open is, is a, it's a risky endeavor. I, I realize that because, you know, when you open your life to God, God say, may say, hey, listen, I want you to shine your light this place or that place or go over here or do that. And it might be a little different. Uh, you might put you out in some different spot. And I, I'll be honest, that's one of the things I love about college students is because if your life is open and God says, hey, listen, we got a shift to make, it didn't take a lot. You know, all you got to do is go down to your academic advisor and say, hey, listen, I'm going to change my major. And all of a sudden, things have changed for you. But sure, you get out of college, and you get a job, and you get a family, and you're already set. You said, I'm not going back to that place. You know, um, all of those things. And, hey, listen, i got to make a change. Man, it's a whole different ballgame. But living a life open to God is great. Start early. It's a lot easier, I promise. The Beatitudes, a great choice. As we close, I want us to just reflect on one other thing. And that is this. It's what is it that we really want in life? You know, we, we want to be happy, don't we? We, we do want to be happy. Uh, we, we want to have a sense of security. You know, as we read through the, the blessings here, you know, Jesus says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Man, that sounds fantastic. You know, we would like a place that is permanent, uh, a place that we can live. Uh, blessed are those that mourn because they're going to be comforted. Man, we, we would like comfort in our life. We would like maybe not to inherit the earth, but just a portion thereof. A few of us are ambitious enough to say, I'd like the whole thing. Uh, we would like to be filled. We would like to receive mercy. We'd like all of these things. And Jesus says the path to them is a path that shines for others and it shines for you. And it's a little bit different than the path we would choose for ourselves, though. You know, when we think about comfort, wanting the comfort that's talked about there, you know, we can pursue comfort in life in a different way. You know, we pursue, uh, we call them creature comforts, don't we? You know, getting some things that make us comfortable, some nicer stuff that helps us to, to live life a little more at ease. You know, we like that security uh, of a place. And so you, you save your money. You made me buy a house. You start to accumulate for yourself a little bit of wealth. And you start to think, you know, this is going to help provide for me some security. But it's interesting that a lot of the stuff we uh, accumulate doesn't bring us what it is that we think it will. You know, we accumulate things for comfort, and then we find we've got to just spend a lot of time taking care of them. We accumulate stuff so we could be secure, but then we're paranoid that, well, I mean, what would happen if this burnt down or that was taken or this was stolen? And we find ourselves full of a lot less security and a lot more insecurity and fear. The very things that we were looking to fill ourselves with, Jesus says, listen, that's not even going to get you close. You know, be open to me. Be open to traveling down difficult and dark paths and choose happiness in them. And it's there that you will find me and it's there that others will see me in you.